I'm Amanda Wagner, business strategist, coach, and professional speaker. And I'm Liz Pittman, a digital communications specialist. The Amanda Wagner podcast is a place for ambitious leaders and entrepreneurs who are done shopping for shortcuts, no longer waiting for an invitation to do what they want, and are ready to claim their spotlight. On this podcast, we talk about the challenges and triumphs of ambition and bravery, living thoughtfully and strategically in a noisy world, and we share our experiences as entrepreneurs with big ambition. Welcome to episode 26 of the Amanda Wagner podcast. In this episode, we commiserate about how challenging it can be to choose a title and explain what you do. We analyze some of the shortcomings of titles, especially in the world of self-development and in startup land. And we help you find a way to answer the question, what do you do? And in WWAWD, or what would Amanda Wagner do? We answer Denise's question about handling rejection. As early as kindergarten, the questions start. What do you wanna be when you grow up? What do you wanna do when you're older? and they never end. The question just changes. It goes from what do you wanna be when you grow up to what do you do? This is a dreaded question at networking events, when you meet new people, even to family events. And the reason it provokes so much dread is because sometimes it's really hard to explain what you do. What happens when you have a career that doesn't fit into a nice little box or a job title that doesn't make a lot of sense, isn't traditional, and takes five sentences to explain. I know that I finished answering the question, what do you do, to have someone say, okay, but what do you really do, like day to day? Traditionally, qualifications seem to dictate titles. I have a teaching degree, therefore I'm a teacher. I went to journalism school, therefore I'm a journalist. I work in TV and radio production, therefore I am a TV and radio show host. But what happens when you're doing something different, perhaps something creative that doesn't come packaged in a nice little box with a ribbon? I know that I have experienced this and I have some personal experience and insecurity with finding a job title that fits. So to set the scene, I always go back to what do I really do? Whether you're being asked this at a networking event, updating your social media bio, or answering a question in sort of an elevator pitch sort of way, what matters most is that you get to the point and to the guts of how you are making an impact. Liz, I'm gonna come to you first here. I would love to know, you say I am a digital communications specialist. How did you land on that title? Well, it's funny, I didn't necessarily come up with the title myself. I had the title of digital communication specialist in my last job. And when I got that job, I thought it was an interesting sort of title. I had always thought of social media specialist or social media manager, but the role that I was doing was so much more than social media. And that's what I've taken into my freelance life. I thought about a few other titles like digital marketer or writer, but I really thought digital communication specialist beautifully wraps up what I do because I'm not just social. I'm not just a writer. I'm not just a podcast producer. I'm, I specialize in communicating digitally. I teach 
about digitally communicating. So I thought that, that was a really nice way of wrapping it all up with a beautiful bow on top, but I definitely had some help coming up with the title because I had it already and it worked well for the responsibilities that I had in my previous job, which very much mirrors what I do now. So I cheated. <laughs> Excellent. The short answer, I cheated and I stole it from another job. You mentioned that it is different than being a social media manager. Do you think that in your title, having the word specialist makes people think of you in a different way? Or do you have any challenges with the word specialist? I don't think that I've had any challenges with the word specialist. I think by using that word, I'm showcasing my expertise this is what I specialize in. I think by tacking that little specialist on the end, it's that little je ne sais quoi, uh, where it's just a little extra something. I do have expertise in online communication. So I, I feel like it, uh, it's worked well for me up until this point. We are fresh into 2021. And one of the things that I see most often with my clients over the last three years is discomfort with the idea of being an expert. Because I think when we talk about the word expertise or specialist, people all of a sudden assumes that, assume that I must need to know 100%. I have to know everything about everything in this category. And I'm on a mission to get people to feel more comfortable with this idea of specialization. And you've highlighted it beautifully by saying, I'm not a generalist. I don't know a little bit about a lot of things. I have depth. I know a lot about this one really specific area. And knowing a lot about something or being able to do something very well, it doesn't mean that you know every single in and out, but it knows you know enough to know where to look. If you are interested in going back into the podcast archives, episode 22 is all about why we get caught up in our thoughts about being an expert and why we overcompensate and how to start feeling like an expert. So that's episode 22. If you want to head back to that conversation that we had at the end of 2020. I love seeing people light up when I say, well, do you call yourself this? And often people hedge, but there's something magical that happens when we come across a title or a description of what you do and people go, Ooh, that's juicy. For example, I'm working with a brilliant woman who is a poet. And I said, do you call yourself a poet? And she said, yes, I do. And I said, well, it sounds like you want to do more than that. You sound like a performance artist. And that moment for her, she went, oh, that's the goosebump moment. That's where it makes the hair on the back of your neck stand up because it was so much more than just poetry. Like how you said, just social media, just TikTok and Instagram for business. There's more than just the just. One of the challenges that I have found in my work, and I'm just going to out myself here. When do you get to call yourself a thought leader? It's such a big, juicy word. And thought leaders, when I think of those people, I think of the Mel Robbins, the Brene Browns, the people who were out either like myth busting or calling people on their bullshit in a kind and generous and gentle way, but really disrupting what's happening. And so I am in this crux of, I'm in the self-development world. Yes, I'm a business coach and strategist, but at what point am I allowed to say I'm a thought leader or do I wait for somebody else to say it first? 
thought leader seems so much like something someone else title someone else gives you. There is no guidebook saying once you've hit step number nine, that's when you become a thought leader. It's a really interesting thing that you posed here. And this is why I've tried to compensate with other titles that are not as big. Because mm-hmm. of course, when we get ego involved, there's always this fear of like, who the hell are you calling yourself a thought leader? And I get into the same space of who the hell am I to call myself a coach? With my private coaching clients, when I, I send a document that has experience, credentials, and the first thing I say is, I didn't go to a fancy coaching school. There, I said it. I come from an industry teaching where I am a teacher because I have a teaching degree. So I didn't go to the online school of whatever to get a coaching certificate for 900 bucks in six weeks. I didn't do that. But... I have insatiable curiosity. I am an active listener and I go all in with my clients. So in trying to come up with a job title and resisting that, I mean, when I was first working on this, I thought that my business card would end up being like a five by seven postcard, trying to describe all the things that I do and how I do them. And I started a deep dive into what is the difference between the word coach, consultant, and strategist? This started when I started my first business, The Compliment, and people would say, so you're a retail consultant. And I hated the word consultant. It's one of those C words for me. It just implied pleated khaki pants and a polo shirt. I felt like I was working for Microsoft and it it just felt very corporate and not quite what I did. Then this word coach came around and I'm like, oh, coach sounds too airy fairy to me. And I don't think that totally describes it. And then that was debunked when I met coach Jenny and who is not airy fairy at all. And I don't think of her work in that way. It's so substantial, but yet that word coach was there. Then I found strategist and I thought, oh, okay, maybe this is the beautiful blending of consultant and coach. And it's not a C word. It can be that S word of strategist, And strategist means that I'm going to help you develop a strategy and find some tools and make the action plan. But it's really hard to make an action plan if you don't know where somebody is at. And that's where the coaching comes in. So Liz, you have to see my predicament here with coming up with a title that fits on a business card. Absolutely. And as the person in your corner who does some writing for you, this is a conversation we had just this week. I was working on copy and I said, do I use the word coach here? What word would you like me to use? Because it's so much evolving all of the time. So I'm very aware of of the conversation within yourself to try and figure out what this term is and what a, what a difficult decision it can be. In my deep dive, I found this beautiful little chart that compared the difference between a consultant, a strategist, and a coach. It defines the differences. The consultant is the person who is doing the work for you. They are executors. They are implementing pieces. A coach seems a little bit more passive. It's ongoing help with accountability and your mindset. And it sounds more like you're interested in self-improvement as opposed to intense goal setting. So the consultant does the work, 
The coach helps you better execute your work. And the strategist comes in and helps you figure out and develop your strategy. Love this little box because I like structure. And finally, I felt like, okay, strategist is the right word. And then I shared this with people in my circle and they went, I don't know about this. And the number one thing that came up is like, when I look at coach Jenny and granted, she is a phenomenal coach, but this little chart doesn't describe the meat of what she does. I know she does more than that. And I know that strategists do more than just make a little map and a timeline and hand it over. So in trying to find myself fitting in this box, I continue to do myself a disservice and go, maybe I just have to find the title that works for me right now and give myself permission to be allowed to change it. This is also dangerous territory because then we get into the place where there's these hokey BS terms that are very common in startup land, i.e. chief of happiness. Exactly. Liz just made the cringiest face. So many wrinkles just happen in my face. I was a visceral reaction to that. Right. And so we come up with these titles that are even more meaningless because we can't quite fit into one. Liz, what are some of the, the challenges or job titles that you have seen that are actually holding people back and taking us further from understanding how people impact the world than moving us forward? Well, I've seen lots of this chatter in the, the marketing Twitter sphere lately with people who are looking for jobs and they're looking for digital communications people or digital marketers and blank company is looking for a digital guru or an online ninja or it's just it's all garbage and it doesn't mean anything and they're terrible terms to be using and you don't know if you're qualified for it because who's qualified to be an online ninja, which the word in itself is problematic. And it's just so frustrating because you have really qualified people who have a lot to bring to the table, but they don't actually know if it's a good fit because seeing these weird terms doesn't tell them anything. And I know it's been really frustrating. And I've seen that with people who I follow online who work in the industry that I do. I agree that not only are these titles meaningless, but sometimes they're problematic. And I feel like we are slowly emerging from this <laughs> clever space where for a while, everyone was trying to be clever. Everyone was trying to, to talk about like hacks and, and shortcuts and be quippy instead of getting to the point. And I am about getting to the point. And one person who has really helped me do this, her name is Wendy White, and we will link to her in the show notes. She has a phenomenal program that helps people not only describe what they do, but get clients. And she is this fantastic woman who says, people call me a copywriting coach and that's not what I do. I am a client getting coach. I help you convert people into clients using language, getting to the point. And one of the formulas that she has taught is this fill in the blank that takes us from, what do you do? Well, I kind of sort of do this thing to a very straightforward sentence. Most people, when they're asked what they do, they'll either give a job title or they get halfway there. They get to the place where they'll say, I do 
blank for this type of person. So for example, I am a business strategist for ambitious entrepreneurs. Cool, we're partway there. Where Wendy's magic just took me and finally made me feel comfortable was in this third piece that of course is a, is a so what? It's so that they. Here's an example. I do blank for this person so that this person can do something magical. So my example, I am a business strategist for ambitious entrepreneurs who are tired of shopping for shortcuts so that they can claim their spotlight and do something that matters. That's the juicy piece. That's the magic. And so it might take me a couple more words. It might not fit on a business card, but it is not a bullshit title. I am nobody's happiness officer. I am not the coachy, coachy, woo-woo person. That is not my style. I still struggle with the word coach and strategist and consultant. And what I've done is just let some of that go. And often I let my clients choose the word that works for them. Right now, strategist is working for me and I have people who call me their business coach and I am a-okay with that. Liz, do you find that people call you other things that you might not call yourself? For sure. I have clients who call me their digital marketer. I have people who call me the, their social media gal. Uh, it, it tends to change on what their comfort level is, what the work is I'm doing for them, what their understanding of the online world is. It totally changes. And I'm, I'm cool with that. I'll continue to call myself a digital communication specialist, uh, but I know that I'm flexible in in what my clients call me. And then this joke is for my dad, as long as they don't call me late for dinner. <laughs> oh, that's so nice. Very oh, Mr. thing in my Pitt family. <laughs> Mr. Pittman. RuPaul has this beautiful saying, Liz, if you had a dollar for every time I mentioned RuPaul, whew, you'd have, you'd have some dollars. RuPaul has this fantastic saying, uh, where he has said, you can call me he, you can call me she, you can call me Regis and Kathy Lee, as long as you call me. I wish that fit on a business card. No kidding. I feel very similarly in that call me your coach, call me your strategist, call me your consultant, just call me. And that's the whole point. Mm -hmm. Do people know enough about you that they know when to call you? They know how to establish some kind of fit and if they are the right person for you or not. And I think there's a lot being said around fit right now. And it's such a fantastic word. I have helped clients um, fire other clients and often it comes down to fit. I have helped people with staff challenges and sometimes that fit isn't there. We have a past episode where we talk about why values matter and how it can help you make decisions. And the so what of this entire episode is find something that works for you and let it work until it doesn't. If it doesn't describe what you do, change it. That is okay. It has taught me to not order business cards in quantities of 500. There is no reason to feel stuck in a job title. 
or to feel like you can never change it. And this is one perspective on it. But my hope is that we've given you some language and some confidence to help establish that you can say what you do without having to fit into a box. And what matters most is that the right people, the people you are trying to attract, that you want to work with, they can find you and they call you. That's what matters most. So AW, someone has called on you for advice today as we move to WWAWD or what would Amanda Wagner do? Our first question of 2021 comes from Denise who says, hi, Amanda, how do you move past or through rejection? It can be so disheartening. Any advice for someone who has dealt with a lot of personal and professional rejection lately? What do you think, AW? Denise, I'm sorry to hear about the rejection. That is not easy. I have been rejected. I very publicly told the story of getting laid off from my job. That was a a major rejection for me. And you've mentioned that this is in your personal and professional life. So my number one piece of advice is to feel it. Feel the rejection. I call it sitting in the suck. Sit in the suck and let it be hard, have a cry, have a vent, be angry, whatever those emotions are that come out for you, you're allowed to feel it. You never have to suppress any of that. The second thing that comes to mind is to set a timer for how long you're going to let yourself feel this. It doesn't mean that it's going to go away forever, but the goal is that we want to be able to set a time on it so that it doesn't bleed into everything else about our lives. I got dumped by a boyfriend. How long am I going to let this affect me? I might not be able to say in the beginning, I'm going to let this affect me for one weekend. Grief takes time and with a lot of rejection comes grief. So in some ways, expect, expect the roller coaster, expect it to feel different. And when you can control things, if you want to decide how long you're going to let it feel really shitty. Liz and I have both had moments where we're like, Oh, I feel like garbage. And we've asked each other, okay, how long are you going to let yourself feel like garbage? I had a client that wrapped up their contract with me and that was really hard. And so I let myself have 24 hours to feel really shitty about it. And then went, okay, next Let's go to the next one. The salesperson in me, of course, is is saying it takes nine no's to get a yes sometimes. And so I have flipped the script on some of these rejections and I go, great. I got rejected by this person, this client, this company. Let me go find all of the rejections so that I can find my yeses. And before I even started the podcast, I thought maybe I'm not going to start my own podcast. I'm just going to be a perpetual guest on other people's. And I went out and I got some no's. I said, let me gather some no's from people who go, yeah, it's not the right fit. You're not the right guest. And what it helped me do was it helped me find my hell yes, which was to start my own. I know that doesn't always soothe the feelings that come along with rejection and grief, but my hope is that you have some permission to feel it, some encouragement to set a timer if you can, and to maybe flip it a little bit and go, great, I got rejected. Now I don't have to worry about that one anymore. Let's go on to the next thing. And I would just add to be gentle with yourself. Something AW says all the time is to take your own advice. And I will echo her here and just say, you know, like, yeah, you're allowed to sit in the suck. 
again, set that timer, but think about what you would say to a friend and then listen to that advice yourself. And we really appreciate you reaching out, looking for some advice. Uh, and we really hope that our listeners continue to send us our questions. You can send them via Instagram at the Amanda Wagner or visit theamandawagner.com and submit your question through the contact form there. We are always looking for inspiration, new ideas, and we would love to hear, what do you do? Maybe you share a job title. Maybe you share a spiffy little sentence, but share with us what you are doing day to day, what lights you up and how we will know to call you. That is such important information. Tell us how we should call you, why we should call you. We are opening it up for you to answer that question in a way that feels so true to you. Thank you for joining us for today's episode. As always, we invite you to sign up for the newsletter at theamandawagner.com. And of course, politely, kindly, gently ask that you leave us a review. Those ratings and reviews help more people find us. If you are ready to get off the sidelines and claim your spotlight and need a coach, strategist, whatever that word is, to help you make it happen, connect with me at theamandawagner.com. And if you're curious about how to make your social media platforms better and share your story with the world, connect with me on Instagram at Liz Pittman. What a wonderful episode to kick off 2021 with. We are back with you every two weeks. We learned a ton in our first year and are so happy and grateful that you are joining us and we cannot wait to do more. Thank you for being here. And I hope that this is helpful and gets you started on the right foot. We will be back in two weeks with a brand new episode. And until then, as always, friends, we will see you on the internet. I got actual goosebumps there. That was so good. Yeah. Yeah, we're, we're good. Yeah, we are good.